Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Welcome to another podcast with LOM. This is going to be a really good one this time. Uh, We're going to have the opportunity to have a conversation with the staff psychologist of the organization known as LeaderWise, an organization that does a lot of counseling and consultation with leaders of religious organizations, particularly Lutheran organizations. And our theme for today's interview is um, is around mental, spiritual, and emotional health. And what we're going to be doing in this uh, podcast is we're going to focus on well-being and taking care of ourselves, and uh, particularly as we go through these days, continue to go through these days of COVID and all the stress and strain that that puts on all of us, particularly those of us in the outdoor ministry world, it's going to be focusing on taking care of ourselves and taking care and uh, cultivating healthy workplaces for those who we work with, especially those who report to us uh, and depend upon us for supervision and leadership. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk today with Drew Benson, who is the staff psychologist at uh, LeaderWise. Drew has a lot of experience in dealing with people like us, people who are leaders of religious organizations. He is definitely qualified to be providing helpful hints and helpful suggestions to us around the focus area. Having um, his uh, uh, PhD in counseling and psychology from the University of Minnesota. And he has some good awareness of Lutheran outdoor ministry, having been raised as a Lutheran in Wisconsin and attending Imago Dei Village as a kid, a great LOM camp. When he was in uh, in college at St. Olaf, he uh, he worked at he he worked at. Um, wait a minute! No, wait, wait, wait a minute, Drew. You when did you go to camp as a kid? Did you go to camp at Imago Dei? I did. Yeah, and then where, where did you work when you were um, in college? It's at Imago Dei at Imago also. Day as well. Yeah. yeah. So you're a real crossways, uh, crossways camping corporation guy, and absolutely both of that at Imago Dei. Yeah. Well, Joe, welcome. So good to have you here. So happy that you're willing to do this with us. Drew, why don't you just uh, start off by correcting any misinformation I may have given people about you? And also, um, uh, you know, what I think would be really good for you to do before we get into the meat of this is to explain 
the organization you're part of, LeaderWise, what does LeaderWise do? And the thing is, we have some good awareness of LeaderWise in LOM because Mary Kay Duchesne, who's on the staff at LeaderWise, Mary Kay Duchesne was the um, facilitator for our uh, executive directors gathering of LOM uh, a few years ago. And in fact, it was the first one we had when we were getting back into doing those annual gatherings of our executive directors. So we have a little bit of awareness, but Drew, welcome. Yeah. Well, Don, I'm just really um, thrilled to be able to be a part of this and to, to take this time to, to be with you and um, the rest of the folks um, at LOM, part of this podcast. And um, I think it was it was a great introduction. Um, so as you mentioned, I think um, outdoor ministry and especially outdoor ministry, Lutheran outdoor ministry is something that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, I remember waiting until I was in second grade and could finally, I was finally old enough to go away to, to camp and was just so excited, had such a wonderful experience there. Um, it became just a highlight of my summer every year growing up. Um, in fact, there were some, a couple summers that I, that I had the opportunity to go to camp, not once, but twice, you know, doing this, doing some different activities, which was just really great. And then just had a had a real wonderful time being able to to return as a counselor when I was in college. Um, so j- just thrilled because of that, and also because I think that the topics that that you are wanting to discuss are just things that are really important to me um, as a psychologist, as a psychologist working with um, leaders in ministry. Um, I think emotional health, mental health, spiritual health spiritual health are so critical and especially critical now during this time of COVID that we've all been living in for this past um, almost year. So as you said, yeah, I, um, I'm what we call around here a lifelong Lutheran, was born and raised in the, in the ELCA church, um, went to St. Olaf College and got my bachelor's degree in psychology. And then um, in kind of an interim, I went to Luther Seminary and got a master's degree in Islamic studies when I had that program. And then eventually made my way to the University of Minnesota um, to get my master's and PhD in counseling psychology. I've been here at LeaderWise full-time for about the last two years, um, and prior to that, I worked in community mental health and did a lot of work with children and, and adolescents, and so I think, too, a lot of the you know, population that, that outdoor ministry serves, kids and adolescents, is another area of, of real passion and, and interest of mine. So that's just a little bit about me. So LeaderWise has been around um, since the late 1960s, and it was actually started at United Theological Seminary, which is was initially in New Brighton, Minnesota. They've since moved. And a professor at United Theological Seminary had gotten a grant, and he was curious to see if pastors, folks in ministry, would find any benefit from vocational assessment, psychological assessment. And so we actually joke that um, that our the leader I started in a closet at uh, United Seminary. And we've now been around for over 50 years and really have stayed um, true to that to that mission of wanting to, to use what we're able to from psychology to help support um, the the um, vocational discernment and growth of of people in ministry. As the the church has evolved, I think we've we've kind of evolved alongside 
And so, you know, where we initially started doing primarily assessment, um, we've, we've kind of grown and, and changed, as I said. And so now we, we sort of think of ourselves as a three-legged stool. Um, so if you can kind of imagine a stool, the, the seat of the stool is our mission. And our mission here at LeaderWise is to foster healthy and spirit-filled individuals and communities for lives of service. And then the three ways, you know, that we kind of support that mission is through our assessment work. So we work with um, candidates for ministry, with seminary students, with um, people who are already working in ministry roles. They come in, they meet with us, and, um, you know, we use different psychological assessment measures to help them understand their gifts, their, their strengths, and also, you know, maybe develop some awareness around areas for growth or, or development um, to help them in, in their career and in their ministry. The second you know, way that we do that is through our counseling practice. And so um, you know, we have a team of psychologists, clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists that provide therapy services to, uh, to pastors and, and other folks in the, in the community. Then the third way that we do that is through leadership development. And so the, you mentioned my colleague, Mary Kay Duchesne, and, and that's, um, you know, the area that she heads up. And, you know, we, through workshops and trainings and coaching and spiritual direction, you know, just really try to help foster kind of the growth and development of, of leaders. As a staff psychologist here, I'm really fortunate because I get to do work in all of those different areas. So, um, you know, get to spend some of my time doing assessment. I get to spend some of my time um, working with, with folks one-on-one -on -one in a therapy relationship. But then I also have the opportunity to do things like this and to facilitate workshops and, and retreats. And so I really appreciate that because I feel like it really helps me understand in a lot of different ways um, some of the things that that people in ministry are facing, you know, understanding for for candidates, what are some of the things that they're entering into ministry, thinking about, wondering about, for people that have been in ministry thirty years, forty years, you know, what are some of the things that that they're you know kind of thinking about, wrestling with, in my therapy work, you know, really being able to understand in a very intimate way, um, what are some of the challenges people are are facing, what are some of the the ways that. That, that ministry is maybe impacting people's overall sense of, of well-being. Um, and so I just, I really value the, the work that I'm, that I'm able to do. Yeah, thank you. That really helps me to understand a little bit more about Leader Wise. I had no idea that it's been around for so long. I, yeah. I thought it was um, a somewhat recent uh, development because um, you certainly don't look that old. And <laughs> I don't think Mary Kay Duchesne does either. But, uh, so in, in any event, for outdoor ministry folks, this has been a really, really challenging time. And I'll just point out some of the stressors that I see. And some of the stresses that I see are that outdoor ministry leaders are, first of all, not doing what's in their wheelhouse. And that is to be in person with groups of people and build community and build relationships and to experience the out of doors together and all of that kind of thing. And at the same time, they have a passion for providing ministry and they're being called upon to provide ministry in ways that they never even dreamt that they would be dealing with. All their normal revenue sources have dried up. 
And uh, so they worry about, will our donors come through for us and help us more than they've ever helped us before? They worry about whether they're even going to be around in another year or so if this goes on and on. They're worried about the people who work with them, the people who, and and they are stressed by having to lay people off and to um, put people on furlough and to announce compensation reductions throughout their organizations. And it just goes on and on. So those are some of the stressors that I see for the outdoor ministry workplace. And as you've dealt with people, leaders for the past year now in church workplaces, what are some of the stresses you've seen? And I guess what I'd like you to get into a little bit too is, um, What's natural for them to be feeling and to realize that it's probably kind of uh, uh, natural for them to be feeling what they're feeling. And as we go through this interview, I hope to get into what uh, some of the things that they can do, uh, you know, about it. And are there danger signs that they need to be looking for? So I don't know that I'm really laying out kind of an agenda for this whole conversation. But what are stressors that you see in the church workplace as you have been dealing with church leaders? Yeah, well, Don, I think that is just such a such a good question and an important one to start with. Certainly, one thing that we're hearing from a lot of people in ministry is that this is all new. I mean, this as as you said, this isn't what they trained for. This isn't what they learned in seminary. This isn't what they've had to deal with at any other point in their career. And so I think just that intensity of feeling, we, we know that ministry work is hard enough as it is. Mm-hmm. And so then to, to enter into this time, the season of ministry where we're really everything is having to be rethought and um, done in, in new ways and in different ways has been has been so challenging. Another thing that we've heard is just this reliance on technology. For a lot of pastors, that's not something that that necessarily feels comfortable, something that 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 they feel really equipped to do, and yet they're having to produce a worship service. They're having to, you know, maybe you know, post things on Facebook Live or or whatever it is. And that feels that feels really challenging. But then you also talked about the ways that the relational work of ministry is impacted. So not only are we having to maybe do worship in a different way or, um, you know, other parts, but just missing out on those those connections, those those ways of of being with people that I think for a lot of, you know, a lot of people in ministry are the things that really energize them and, and, and help them feel connected to the work and connected to the people that they're serving um, to, to be missing out on those opportunities or to have it be having to do it all over a screen has felt really challenging. I think, you know, a few other things that that we've heard, certainly boundaries have been really challenging. So again, we know that boundaries are already hard enough to navigate in, in ministry. Um, you know, it's not like you're walking in the door and punching your time card, and then at the end of the day, you're punching your time card and leaving, but that it that it often feels like, a, you know, kind of a 24-7 job or can feel like that sometimes. And then when you're maybe working and living and, you know, everything is happening in the same space on a really different schedule, 
having to, you know, being able to really maintain those healthy boundaries so that people feel like they have enough space in their lives for other things has been, has been really hard. And, and something that I've heard is some people have said, Oh, it must be so nice. You're, you're not having to go into church at all. And you just get to work from home. You must be working a lot less. And pastors have said, I am working harder and more hours than I ever have in my entire career because, because of all this, just, just because of, of some of these, um, you know, different factors that are, that are coming into play. I hear all this stuff from the camp leaders too. Yeah. And, and perhaps it's even more intense when you're working at home. Absolutely. And especially if you have kids who are doing virtual school at home, how can you be at home and be attending to all the extra burden of your own work while your kids are, I say you've got um, a second grader and a fourth grader and they're doing virtual school and you might be a single parent. You might be, you might have a spouse that's not working at home and it just um, all, all kinds of uh, stuff like that. A, a thing that I've heard often is, is people say that they feel like they're failing in all the aspects of their life. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not able to give all that I want to give as a parent. I'm not able to give all that I, that, you know, that I want as a, as a camp director or a, you know, a leader, I'm not able to give all that I, that I can in, in other ways. And so, and so I think it leaves people just feeling exhausted and like, they're not, they're not meeting up to, you know, sort of their hopes or their expectations in, in any part of life, which I think has, has taken an, an additional toll on, on people. As camp directors and program directors and camp staff are going through this, say you're the executive director, the CEO of an outdoor ministry organization. All of this is, is part of their life right now. As a person who is really focused on a regular basis with mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, what do you feel that um, our outdoor ministry leaders need to really be concerned about and pay attention to as they go through all of this experience? One kind of image that, that we've used a lot as we've talked about this with, you know, with different folks in leadership over the last year is that image of the oxygen mask on an airplane. And, you know, so, so when you, when you get on the airplane, you know, what's the thing that they say as they're talking about it is if you're with someone who needs your help, you need to put on your own gas mask first before you, before you help someone else. And I think that that's just been something we've really tried to, to, to emphasize when we're talking with leaders is I think leaders are so naturally inclined to care for the people that they're leading that often the last person that gets the gets attention and care is themselves and yet if they're completely depleted if they have nothing left in their tank it's going to be really hard to show up as a leader in the ways that other people are are needing you to and so so i think you know initially that can feel a little bit like but well, but wait a second. I'm you know I'm needing to, I'm needing to lead, and and you know it's almost the two things are are having to happen at, at the same time. But but again, that taking care of self is so is so critical because again, if if you don't have any gas in your tank, there's nothing left to to give to other people, and I think that's when leaders are at real risk for 
burnout for you know just feeling like they need to escape to to get away to to maybe leave to to quit a job so i i think that that's a, that's a really really critical thing that that we've talked about a lot that's a really helpful illustration to bring that point home i think that's really an important point you you get that oxygen mask on in a, a figurative way Help us with some suggestions for um, what that might really look like. Mm -hmm. A a leader who's um, tending to their own emotional, spiritual, mental health in order to be there for those who really depend on that person. Yeah, great question. I think a few things. I think one really critical, one really critical piece is what are people doing to just slow down and check in with themselves? Um, I was I was really struck. We did a few um, workshops over the kind of late summer, early fall with some different groups of pastors, and one of the things that we did as part of as part of those was was to take a couple little um, you know three or four minute chunks of time and to pause and to just say we want you to to just take a moment and to think about how have you been affected by the last six months and to just write down what are the thoughts what are the feelings what are the things that you've noticed about you know kind of your your behavior the things that you've been doing and feedback that we got from several people was to say thank you for that and i haven't felt like i could even take you know three four five minutes in the last you know five or six months to even just pause and think about how how i've been affected by all of this because their energy has been so focused on the tasks and on all the things that need to get done um, and on other people and so you know what ways are people Taken, taken a moment to check in with themselves. And, and I think that that is just, it's so critical because our emotions are important sources of information. They really help us understand a lot of things about how we're doing, what we're needing. And if we're not taking time to do that, then sometimes those things come out come out sideways and they can really get in the way of our personal relationships, of our, of our work relationships. So one thing that I'll often encourage people to do is to be able to just even for themselves, try to try to really name in a specific way. What, what am I feeling? You know, how, how am I doing? What am I feeling? And I sometimes will use the, you know, the image of, of an iceberg. And so if you think of an iceberg, you know, sort of the, the tip of the iceberg might be the behaviors, the things that we're doing, the things that other people are seeing. But beneath the iceberg, that's, you know, our thoughts, that's our, you know, our, our feelings, you know, that's our, our needs, maybe our needs that aren't being met. And so if we're able to kind of think about, you know, what, what's happening on the outside and to really dig in a little bit and, and to, to try to understand what, what is happening for me. Um, you know, kind of internally, that might help provide some really important information. As you were speaking just then, I'm thinking when I've um, slowed myself down a little bit and taken time to do that, it's been really helpful. But for me, I'm fortunate in that I have a good relationship with my wife. Yeah. And it's also helpful 
to not only get in touch with those feelings, but to get them out to another trusted person. Absolutely. I'm, I'm concerned about the leader, you know, who's a single person, lives by themselves. Any thoughts on that before you move on to where you are going to move? No, I think, and and it's something that I definitely wanted to talk about because I think one, you know, one question that I'll often ask people is who in your life can you be authentic with? Mm-hmm. And by authentic, that means not having to feel like you have a mask on, not feeling like you need to show up in a certain way because someone needs you to, to be something, but who in your life can you really be authentic with? And I think, you know, you know, as you said for yourself, I mean, one person that you're able to do that with is, is your spouse. And, and that I think for, you know, hopefully for people that are in healthy, healthy relationships, healthy marriages, that's, that's one place that they can get that. But certainly, you know, I, I hope that people have friends, um, colleagues, and, and again, sometimes it, it maybe is someone um, within your, within your field that might be able to be a person that you can show up, you know, really honestly and authentically with. Um, for some of the people that I work with, that means seeking out a therapist because you know what? I don't have any skin in the game. You know, I'm there to be there for for the person sitting in front of me and to just allow them to show up and to say, I'm feeling exhausted. This has been terrible. I hate that that my work has to look like this. And to and as you said, to just be able to express that and to have someone else hold that with you is really important. And, and so I, I think you're right on in saying, you know, if there's not someone kind of built in to be that person, how could you, how might you be able to seek out someone that's able to, to, to really be be there for you and allow you to show up again, authentically, honestly, to be able to really talk about what's going on for you, because that's a really important part of and really important way of taking care of yourself. You know, just an observation that I have, and that is, that's such an important point for outdoor ministry leaders. And sometimes the things that are closest to home and most natural in what we provide for ministry are the things that we forget about in terms of our own life. But if you ask a kid who goes to summer camp, particularly to an LOM summer camp, what they like most about camp, you'd think they'd talk about the fun, the laughing. You'd think they'd talk about um, the, the chance to go swimming or hiking or whatever. But the most common response to that question is when i'm at camp i can be myself i can be who i really am and we provide that for all kinds of people so uh, again getting the oxygen mask on and making sure we're providing that for ourselves are uh, really really important yeah you know one thing that that we often talk about with you know with with leaders with folks in ministry is to also as hard as it is to be aware of what your vulnerabilities are. And the more that you can really honestly understand what your vulnerabilities are, the more proactive that you can be about getting supports in place so those things don't really don't get in your way. Um, you know, one example, you know, maybe, and, you know, I sometimes will use the image of like a piece of fabric, you know, maybe you stitch two pieces of fabric together and there's that seam there. You know, under normal circumstances, when the fabric isn't pulled too tight, you know, that seam's going to be okay. 
So you start to pull the, you know, kind of pull it tighter and tighter. The stress on that seam becomes more and more and more. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's it's where are kind of the seams for us? You know, where are the where are the places that you know that under stressful conditions, you know, might be places where where we're a little bit more vulnerable. So just kind of a practical example, you know, for some people, when their stress goes up, they feel more of a need to do things and to kind of take control of things. What we call that sometimes in psychology, over-functioning. So things get stressful and you start to look around and you say, oh, there's all these things that need to get done. There's all these things that need to get done. And so then people start taking on everything themselves, not asking for help, not asking for support. And so, so being aware of I know this thing about myself. This is some this is something that happens. What do I need to be aware of so that it doesn't get to the point where I've been overfunctioning, taking on too much and then after 4 or 5 months of doing that, I'm just completely exhausted, have have nothing nothing left, you know, and I'm, I'm really unable to function anymore. People, you know, have have other vulnerabilities, but the, you know, but the the better we're able to kind of name and and own and understand what our vulnerabilities are, I think the better able we can be about getting supports in place to to help us out with that. For me and my own personal experience with ministry which is really long-standing and but particularly when I was a camp director when I was for 35 years that that was one of the most important lessons to learn through experience because I I, I tend to be want to be in control of everything I tend to want to um, I hesitate to ask for help because I I don't want to um, I, I want to be the one that's always helping everybody else. Mm-hmm. What I found more and more, and I continue to find, is that when I ask somebody and when I um, open up about my vulnerabilities and say, I need your help, it honors them. Mm-hmm. And it it, um, it, honor, it it honors them that... Um, they have that opportunity because they probably have the same need to to be helping and to, yeah, absolutely uh, absolutely uh, so yeah really good i think that's important for our ministry leaders because we we tend to uh, we tend to be a little bit on the workaholic side and want to uh, take the whole world on our own uh, our own shoulders uh many of the people listening here are going to be uh, people who are the bucket stop stops here uh, mm-hmm. in their organization. And whether it's a big organization or a little organization, many of the people listening are the executive directors of their organization. Many of them have others who are part of their organization. And those people are going through stressors of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what kind of practical suggestions do you have for the executive directors of uh, how they can they can contribute to a healthy workplace for all the others who are working with them and going through stressors of their own? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, you know again another really really important question. You know, again, it, it's, you know, some of it comes back to 
you know, some of what we were just talking about, you know, the, the better aware that you are of yourself and the, and the better that you're able to kind of own and, and manage yourself. I mean, I think that, that a lot of that can, can filter, can filter down. One, one example that I know we've heard from a lot of, of pastors is I know that people are looking to me to provide hope. How can I do that if I'm if I'm feeling not much hope or I'm feeling kind of hopeless myself? And so, so I think e- even in that, you know, for the you know for the executive directors, the camp directors, again, be, being able to kind of tend to themselves and and find ways of of connecting to their own hopefulness, their own optimism, their own resilience. I think some of that um, can really can really often filter down. Another really important thing, and, and I think that this is this can be a challenge for a lot of people that that, as you described, are kind of in that mode of, of always wanting to help people, is that sometimes we jump really quickly into fix-it mode. So people come to us with something that's going on, and we immediately because we see them in distress, we see them having a hard time, we immediately jump to trying to figure out how to solve the problem, how to fix it, how to make it better for them. And that can be helpful, but sometimes the most important thing that we can do for someone is to just sit and listen and, and really hold what they're, what they're bringing to us um, and, and to, not, to not jump too quickly in, into fix-it mode. And, and I think that that does a, a couple of things is that it helps people really feel heard and, and supported when we're, when we're really able to, to sit and, and deeply listen to someone. And, and I'm sure that you and, and everyone listening can think of someone in their life who is a really skilled and, and gifted and attentive listener. And just um, when you're having a hard time, when you're feeling down about something, having someone who's able to do that with you can actually be incredibly powerful and, and incredibly helpful for, for people that are that are carrying so much stress. Again, to just have have the gift of of a leader who's willing to do that with them, you know, can be can be really really powerful. I think also being open to feedback, asking for asking for feedback. Um, you know, it can be another, can be another helpful thing. Um, sometimes we assume, you know, we, we kind of assume we know what people need or what people are wanting or what, what people are expecting of us, but sometimes even being able to, to just pause and ask what, you know, what would be, what would be helpful for you right now? How, how could I be, how could I be helpful to you? can again just be a really nice way of inviting um, so some input from from someone else and to be able to, to to kind of get some insight into you know how are some of these things working for you and again there may not be anything that that's able to to be changed or to be done about it but to at least have, have given an opportunity for someone to share what's going on for them I think can be really really helpful. It's amazing that uh, this time is going by so fast, uh, time for this podcast. I guess one of the things that's um, real is that um, in a podcast like this, we can only really scratch the surface. Talking with, uh, strategizing, providing for healthy workplaces. Do you have suggestions for those listening in on this podcast as to uh, what 
resources are available that if something has piqued their curiosity or really um, struck a chord, uh, what are some resources that you feel would be helpful for uh, those who might want to dig in uh, a little deeper in terms of the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah, I have several. One thing that that I've been using a lot um, for myself, I know I have colleagues that have been using it. I've been using it with a lot of therapy clients is an app that's called Sanvello, S-A-N-V-E-L-L-O, S-A-N-V-E-L-L-O. And what it is, is um, it's, a, it's an app um, that is really all designed around mental health. And I think one of the things that I that I love about it is that as soon as you open it, it pops up, gives you a chance to do a check-in. And, you know, it has this wheel and, you know, very good to, you know, not very bad or not good. And it, you, you kind of select on the wheel how you feel like you're doing. And then it gives you a chance to select from a huge range of, of different emotions and I think for a lot of people, it's it's a way of doing in a in you know pretty structured way, kind of doing that check-in with yourself of, of being able to just take a moment and to say, okay, you know, um, instead of opening it up and um, or picking up our phone and opening up our email or our messages or the news or whatever it might be, to, to be able to kind of do something. Um, to, to kind of see how you're doing can be helpful. And then it also tracks it over time. And so I think too, for people to be able to, to kind of get an understanding for themselves of, are there particular times of the week that feel that, you know, that we feel really down or that we're feeling that are feeling really hard? Are there times when we're feeling really, really hopeful and, and really positive? And I think it just, it, it, again, it, it is you kind of are able to understand um, the rhythms of your own life. I think it, you know, sometimes that can be really empowering, can help people think about, oh yeah, you know, I was feeling great on that day and I got up that morning and I, um, you know, did a devotion and then I took a walk and I spent some time, you know, with my dog or with my child. And then I got to my work and wow, that made a big difference in, in how I was doing. And so, so it can also, I think, help provide people with some information, um, to help them think about their own resilience and and what can be what can be um, you know maybe things for them to build in. So I think that's that can be one really nice thing. Um, I think just a second thing to really think about establishing a routine. So so I think that um, that as people are their work life is kind of thrown all out of whack. Like how can you? still establish some sort of routine for yourself. So what are you doing before you start to work in the morning um, as a way of kind of preparing for your day? What are the things that you're doing, I know, maybe at the end of your day as a way of kind of disconnecting from whatever happened that, that day? And so I think, you know, kind of building some of those rituals, building kind of that routine into, into one's day can be can be really helpful. There's a podcast that I that I enjoy called the happiness lab. And it's by this um, psychologist, I think at Yale who taught this, this class, uh, you know, all about happiness and has talked about three things that, that we know from research that are tied to happiness, um, mindfulness, exercise, cardio, and gratitude. And so I think too, those are three, you know, maybe three things that people can build into their day pretty easily as a way of supporting their own, you know, their own kind of mental health. 
mindfulness. That could be doing um, contemplative prayer. That could be doing some sort of a meditation, maybe taking a, a walk in the morning, getting some sort of exercise. You know, again, uh, that can look a lot of different ways, but just moving your body, getting your heart rate up can be really helpful. And then gratitude, you know, maybe just at the end of the day, and it doesn't even have to be something that you write down, but just maybe taking a moment at the end of the day to pause and to say, what are some things that I feel really, um, you know, really grateful for that happened today? And then I think spiritual practices are, are sort of another piece as well. I think when people are engaged in ministry and ministering to others, one thing that often falls along the the wayside is one's own connection to their spirituality. So knowing what what are the ways that you feel most connected to to God, and how can you be building those things in in an intentional way uh, in your day? And and again, those look really different for people, but but I think being intentional about doing those things um, can help people feel much more filled up and much more connected spiritually. Drew, so much of this really makes sense and uh, uh, just resonates. Um, I, I know that for us in outdoor ministry, there's so much to be grateful for, just in terms of thinking uh, of all the donors for whom their yeah. is really important and how our donors have stepped up to the plate and how uh, grateful um, we are, and to remember to uh, express that gratitude is really, really important. Uh, stepping back, you, you uh, mentioned the uh, thing of having routine mm-hmm. and establishing uh, new routines. When you and I first got on to this um, to this Zoom, we talked about um, the fact that both you and I. Uh, a thousand miles apart, fifteen hundred miles away from each other. Both you and I uh, had our first vaccine dose yesterday. Yes, which is a, a thing. It's an indication that there's light at the end of the tunnel. That this pandemic will come to a close. And it's one of the things I've found about recently that I've I've had a whole year of developing brand new routine. Part of my routine was get, get on a plane every other week and visit yeah. five or six camps and and uh, see people, interact with people where they're at and all that kind of thing. Uh, very unique kind of routine, but nevertheless, um, uh, there's a lot of routine in the non-routineness of it. Yeah. So now I've got a year of establishing a routine. And oh, do I ever have my routines? Yeah. Um, through every day it's almost sad how, mm-hmm. how much of a uh, how i am captive to my routine yeah. <laughs> but i now i'm starting to think hmm when this is all over there'll be parts of that routine that i won't have anymore and uh, uh, do, you, do you have anything to say about uh preparing ourselves for for what it's going to be like to be pandemic free, to be COVID free. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. And I think, I mean, as you said, for a lot of people, this has been such a seismic shift in, our, in what is our kind of normal that, that it's been pretty profound. 
And as we start to think about things, you know, maybe shifting back or shifting back in that direction, um, you know, maybe a good question is, what are the parts of this kind of new routine that I've developed that I might want to keep? I mean, I, and, and I think for a lot of people, you know, maybe it's um, just taking a little bit more time to prepare a meal at the end of the day. Maybe it is, you know, again, taking that, taking that walk or doing the devotion or not feeling not filling life up with so much, you know, so much busyness, you know, maybe there's, there's a moment of like, yeah, wow, this, this extra space that I felt in my life, you know, in some ways has maybe been, been really, really healing and, and really good for me. So are there ways that I can maybe maintain some of that as I shift back? So I think, you know, maybe just a nice point of, of reflection is to just even sit with, what are some things that I might want to keep? You know, some of these these new habits that we've developed that, that we might that we might want to carry forward with us. And what might that look like? And, and how might I do that? So, yeah. And uh, one of the things that's, uh, you know, that's been talked a lot about in management circles and so forth uh, is that if we think that life is going to go back to being the way it was, we're mistaken. It's yeah. probably never going to go back to the way it was. And what is it that we've learned, especially what what have we learned about what we want to retain from uh, this experience that uh, we don't want to let go of uh, moving forward? That's really helpful. Stepping back just uh, a minute, in thinking uh, of, um, you had some really good suggestions about CEOs for executive directors in terms of... um, their interaction with the other people who work with them, mm-hmm. you know, delaying getting into the fix-it mode and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Are there any particular warning signals or danger signs that executive directors should be aware of in terms, uh, you know, as they interact with their with the other staff in their organization? Are there any particular emotional yellow flags or even red flags that they should be watching for? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you know, certainly kind of behavioral changes and so noticing people um, maybe withdrawing more people seeming like they just don't have the same um, energy that they typically have for things, you know, maybe people start missing, you know, missing deadlines or, you know, I mean, so, so I think that there, there, those are some of the big, you know, maybe some bigger warning signs. One of the sneaky, you know, kind of warning signs of of burnout that we'll talk about sometimes with leaders is going through the motions. Like when you get to, to a place where you just are so maxed out and so kind of spent that it just kind of every day feels like going through the motions that can be, you know, kind of a, a warning sign of, of burnout, which I think might be harder for, for a leader to be able to, um, to see in someone, but you know, sometimes even having just a a regular, like a built-in check-in time with some of the staff that you're supervising can be really, can be really helpful. Cause I think sometimes, leaders feel like I've got a good relationship with this per- with this person. If they're struggling, they'll come to me and, and let me know. And sometimes that's the case. And sometimes that might not be the case. Sometimes even the act of reaching out to your boss to, to 
even your boss who you have a really good relationship with to say, hey, I'm having a hard time might feel like too much, you know, might not feel like you have the space for that. So, you know, might you be able to kind of build build in a scheduled time once a week, once every other week to just say, hey, this is time for me to, to find out how you're doing and, and to kind of establish some trust so that, you know, maybe if it's not something that would be an obvious behavioral sign that you could see that that creating that that trusting relationship you know might provide some space for someone to be able to say yeah i'm having i'm having a really hard time this week and i'd love to to kind of talk about to, to talk about that so drew thank you very much we're getting near the end of our time here and um uh before we sign off are there any other questions that I should have asked you? Are there any other areas that you think we should take a look at? You know, any um, closing thoughts? That- yeah. Well, I guess I'm just thinking back to the question that you asked, you know, a while ago about um, kind of relationships. And I think we know from the research that we've done about resilience is that social support is the number one factor that supports people's resilience. So again, who are the people that are in your circle? Who are the people that you can rely on? Who are the people that you can show up that you can really show up with? And, and I think for some people being able to, to think ahead and to really, you know, maybe now as they're listening, to be able to 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 just think, who is in my in my circle? You know, who who can I rely on, so that they've done the work, so that they don't have to do like when things are really stressful, and I already think about, oh my goodness, who can I who can I reach out to? But they've already they've already identified the people um, that are in their network. I think it just it's such an important way of of supporting um, one's own resilience, and so yeah. Uh, Drew, thank you so much for taking this time with us today, for the sharing that you've done. We're very grateful for that. And we uh, wish you all the best in your ministry. Really, really important ministry. Hey, when you get a a little bit of time, go back and take a look at Imago Dei Village. I I would love to do that. It continues to be a great place. I'd love to do that. (laughs) Thanks for for having me. And again, I'm just grateful for the opportunity um, to to be able to give back a little bit to, you know, Lutheran outdoor ministry as, again, it it gave me just an awful lot throughout my life. So I appreciate the the time. Really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, everybody, we'll see you on the next podcast, but uh, let me know, uh, you know how to contact me if um, there's any suggestions you have or any input that you have in response to this podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Drew. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.